Hi, it's Elisa Hutnick. I am so delighted to do this podcast today because joining me is my colleague Jacqueline Metzinger out of our New York office. And I work with Jacqueline and our team works with Jacqueline when we have litigation, consumer class action, or for purposes of today's podcast, when we are litigating a case with the Federal Trade Commission. And there was a recent case that came down out of the Third Circuit that when it hit all of our inboxes, it was a stop everything, focus now, because this case is going to have a serious impact on FTC litigation going forward, and really their enforcement strategy. So I invited Jacqueline to come down here and educate us on this case. So with that, Jacqueline, can you kind of open it up, level set for us, tell us the name of this case and what we need to know. Absolutely, and thanks for having me, Alisa. The name of the case is FTC versus Shire Viropharma, and you're right, it is one of the most important FTC cases in recent history, and it's going to have a fundamental effect on what the FTC can, and more importantly, cannot enforce in federal court litigation. Okay, let's even take a step back from there, right? Because if you're a company and you're being investigated by the FTC, and you decide, look, FTC, I'm not gonna settle with you, right? So there are, don't there tend to be two different avenues as a company that this investigation can come up and potential litigation can come up? So maybe talk us through both of those options. Sure, so as the FTC Act was originally enacted, the FTC enforced alleged violations of the FTC Act through administrative proceedings before an administrative law judge. And for years, this was the only venue where the FTC could really commence and enforce um, these alleged violations. In 1973, however, Congress amended the FTC Act to add Section 13B, which permits FTC to file an action in federal district court whenever it has reason to believe that the defendant, and here's the key language, is violating or is about to violate the FTC Act. And what Section 13B does is authorize the FTC to obtain injunctive relief to bring an immediate halt to the challenged conduct instead of waiting for a lengthy administrative proceeding to, to, to finish. So that's pretty interesting because we've definitely seen the FTC over the last, you know, gosh, since then really ramp up its use of 13B to go kind of as the big hammer um, on running to federal court, not only be with that injunctive poten potential, but also because that was where it could seek monetary remedies um, in a big way. So that's a whole other podcast, which we will have to, <laughs> have to devote some time to, but right now on the injunctive language. So tell us, where does this case kind of make a difference? Right. And what's so interesting is that this practice, as you mentioned, has been going on for years and defendants just haven't challenged it. So, so that's really where Shire comes in. And in Shire... The FTC alleged that the defendant, which is a pharmaceutical company, had been filing a series of sham petitions with the FDA to prevent FDA approval of a generic drug that would compete with the defendant's own um, brand name prescription drug. And the FTC conducted one of its usual lengthy pre-suit investigations and eventually did file suit in district court even though the last sham petition had been filed years before the complaint was filed. And in an attempt to satisfy that Section 13B language that is or is violating or is about to violate language, the FTC alleged that there was a cognizable danger that Shire would engage in similar conduct simply because it markets and develops drugs for commercial sale in the U.S. and therefore has the incentive and the opportunity to engage in the same kind of conduct in the future. Right. And that bar kind of was the bar that representing clients it seemed a pretty low bar, right? That the whole potential of the, you know, infringing conduct could happen at any time. And um, it didn't seem like, at least 
for, for years and years until this case, that that was a potential bar to the FTC moving forward. Right. That's exactly right. And what Shire did is they filed a motion to dismiss at the outset of the case, both because that generic language that, you, as you say, has been used for years was insufficient to state a claim, and also they argued that the FTC lacked subject matter jurisdiction to enforce in federal court. And so what Shire did is they convinced the District of Delaware to basically disregard those decades of precedent and and focus on the statutory text. And the court said, you know what, you're right. This isn't what Congress intended when they passed Section 13B. Section 13B is only intended to apply when the defendant is actually engaging in a violation of the FTC Act or about to engage in a violation. And the Third Circuit affirmed, focusing again on the plain language of the statute and specifically held that that generic likelihood of recurrence language simply wasn't enough to state a claim for relief. So how do you think, well, first of all, is this decision going to be appealed? I mean, is this the end of this case? Um, The the FTC still does have time to appeal, and and we're pretty certain that, that it will, because if it's affirmed, it's really going to have a a lasting and permanent effect on their ability to pursue federal court litigation. So we have a couple more weeks before that appellate period um, expires. There's also another case percolating up through the courts, FTC versus Hornbeam, which is addressing the same issue. And the district court there in the Northern District of Georgia followed the same reasoning adopted by Shire and also granted a motion to dismiss. Um, in that case, there's still some more briefing going on. The FTC filed an amended complaint. So while I'm sure they will appeal at some point down the road, it may be a little while before the 11th Circuit gets to weigh in in that case. So the impact, as I think about it, for all the pending investigations that the FTC has right now, where it's been using 13B, suddenly you have pretty much every target of those investigations saying, do we have a way to get out of this investigation? So I have to wonder what the FTC is thinking about doing and signaling. Is there anything you think we should be looking at in terms of at least the public cases on that front uh, besides the Georgia case? Yeah, I mean, I think what we might see is FTC moving to file more quickly. You know, typically they engage in these lengthy multi-year investigations. And if the conduct is still going on while the investigation is pending, they may start jumping to federal court a little bit faster, um, you know, to avoid a potential defendant from just stopping the conduct as a result of the investigation. So that's a good point, because it seems like one outcome of this is the FTC really starts focusing more on administrative actions, right, not using its 13B authority. But what we're hearing here, and I think your take, which is a pretty right on the money, is that they're not, it's not necessary, necessarily the case that they're going to stop using or slow down using 13B. It's just those cases are going to move a lot more quickly. I think and that's, that's right. Yeah, that's a lot you know, for a company to think about. How will this, as a practical matter, how is this going to affect my business? Um, perhaps a faster-paced FTC investigation, so you still have to take it very seriously. Um, but also, I would say on the compliance side, just thinking proactively whatever the infringing conduct was, look, business practices can always be enhanced and optimized, and you don't necessarily have to admit that you've engaged in violative conduct to make changes to business practices. And so that could be a way, perhaps, to blunt uh, some potential exposure there. Yeah, absolutely. So super interesting. Let's definitely do another podcast because we can go around the country on some of these cases and get a a really fuller picture of, of what's happening. 
So with that, we hope for our listeners that you visit our adlawaccess.com blog and see more coverage of this and other FTC and consumer protection developments. And thank you, Jacqueline, for joining us. Thank you. It was my pleasure.